listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. This is the last week of our Truth Bombs uh, series. We've been reading through the book of Proverbs. Uh, that, that's, that book is found within wisdom literature in the Bible. And it was, this book is written by King Solomon. We know all of these things. And each week we've been learning a different timeless wisdom in an instant world is what we didn't really do the intro, but that's okay. I think we're okay. Um, <laughs> um, we... We are going to be finalizing this this evening, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, Last week, Pastor Kelly spoke on how we need wisdom and how we can find wisdom, not only through God's word, but also through three different types of people. This week, there was a passage that sparked my curiosity, and it might seem odd at first, but if you'll stick with me, we're going to unpack this together tonight. And if you're a note taker, I like to take notes on my phone. Um, it always looks like I'm on my phone, but I, I swear when I'm, I'm taking notes. Um, you can, we're going to have three points tonight. So just for those of you who like that and like to know that ahead of time, I got you. Um, so... You know, you know, sometimes when you read Proverbs, there's something that's immediately applicable. You can read it and you're like, oh, I know, ex- I, I kind of know exactly where they're going with this. I can take this really easily and apply it to my life. Others, you need to do a little bit of digging. Well, with, with this one that I stumbled upon that I felt like God wanted me to speak on, it's, it took a little digging for me to kind of understand the cultural aspects of it. So it's Proverbs 22, 28. And they'll put it up on the screen for us. It says, don't stealthily move back the boundary stones or lines staked out long ago by your ancestors. That's a little odd. I don't know. It's just kind of like, it's very cultural, you know, very like ancient to their time. You know, we don't call boundaries, boundary stones. We call them boundary lines. And you know, when I, when I read that, I can kind of have like an idea of maybe where he's going with it. You know, we understand what boundaries are. We understand that, you know, fences to, to this day, we understand that. Maybe there's importance here of like the ancestors. But my question was, why would Solomon be inspired by the Holy Spirit to say this? And what are boundary stones? You know, why, why was that so important? But I know Solomon was onto something because God had already spoken many times in scripture about these in researching and looking up what, what he was talking about, it actually brought me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is one of the first five books in the Bible. Uh, you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll put something up um, for you guys on the screen. But it, I found in Deuteronomy 19, 14, it says, um, or we got it, yeah, perfect. Do not move your neighbor's boundary stone set up by your predecessors in the inheritance you receive in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, this may seem like, okay, where is she going with it? Well, it's always best to understand the larger context of what we're talking about. So here, Moses, who we know received the Ten Commandments from God, he was risen, God rose him up to be able to lead the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land. And in this time in Deuteronomy, what he's doing is he's reminding the people, he's reminding the Israelites, hey, this is what God said. He not only gave us the Ten Commandments, but he also said a lot of other things. It was almost like, if you, would, if you were to read through it, it seems like a lecture almost, like they were in a classroom. They had to remember everything that God had said because it was very, very important. And so they, 
they needed to be reminded of this. And he says in the midst of this kind of lecture almost, when you go, so when you go to the promised land, set aside three cities of refuge. That's kind of another odd piece of scripture. Like what are cities of refuge, you know? Uh, But God knew what he was doing. These cities were there in case a neighbor was accidentally killed. (laughs) Kind of interesting, right? So in this context, I'm going to read you an example because it literally in in scripture, uh, Deuteronomy 19.5, I'm going to read a chunk. It won't be up there, so just listen to me. It says, for instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and as he swings his axe to fell a tree, the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. This is scripture, Um, which that's unfortunate, you know? Otherwise, okay, wait, fly off his neighbor and kill him. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue him in rage, overtake him if the distance is too great, and kill him even though he is not deserving of death since he did it to his neighbor without malice beforehand. This is why I command you to set aside yourselves three cities. Then, later on, he says... Don't move your boundary stones. Like, don't do that. Don't move the boundaries. And what's so interesting to me is, man, that makes so much more sense now in the context because these cities were set up to create safe places for people to run to. Inside these boundary lines, they were relieved of blame. They were protected and they were able to rest. God determined the boundaries for each of the tribes of the promised land and to move it meant that it wasn't just theft from your neighbor, like you were stealing from your neighbor because it was their land. You were also stealing from God who had given it as a free gift. But in the case of an innocent person and the case of these cities of refuge, it could also mean life or death. It was really important. They didn't want these to be messed with. And so going back to our proverb, stealthily moving, something so sacred would end up messing with God's intention. God's intention is that we would live peaceably with the people around us. So I know these are like ancient, kind of like it's, it's kind of hard to reach back and, and apply these things, but that's what I want to try to do with us tonight. Because I believe that all of scripture is God-breathed and it brings life and we're able to apply it to our lives today. So my first point tonight, based on this proverb, I think that Proverbs 22, I think it's 22, 38, 28, sorry. I think it reminds us first and foremost of the importance of relationships. Not only between us and God, that vertical relationship, but with us and other people. We see that, that theme throughout scripture. It's a constant theme. We are to honor God, honor the land he's given us. Today, that may mean our actual space around us, but it also may mean our hearts too. And I'll get to that more. And honoring people, relationships need boundaries for them to flourish. The challenge is that we don't get to choose our neighbors, right? (laughs) Uh, Have you guys ever had a weird or frustrating neighbor situation? Uh, Maybe you can recall something or someone you know. Well, I have a couple of pictures. You want to put the first picture up? This is lyrics from a police song. Every breath you take, every move you make, 
every bond you break, every step you take is really audible through the floor. (laughs) A noisy neighbor lives upstairs, apparently. Okay, the next one. This one made me laugh out loud. Look, Bob, I've painted my fence. So clearly... Their neighbor had asked them, like, hey, can you just make it look a little bit nicer? And he's like, you know, in a sassy way, responded. I, look, I painted my fence. Looks great. Lastly, another loud one. I've lived in apartments a lot throughout my life. I can really, this resonates with me. Mm. Uh, these must be my upstairs neighbor's house slippers. Pair of bricks. Yep. So, um, but you hear all the time. Those are funny, but I mean, like you hear all the time about these little spats that can turn into hatred long-term. I mean, people can get riled up about neighbors. Um, Fences, loud music, bright lights shining in your window, where cars are parked, neighbors that may overstay their welcome or comments or hang out, I don't know, just like it could be anything. Because all of these situations are because people are just trying to figure out how to do life together in the same proximity, right? Oh man, we still deal with this today. And Jesus knew that too. When in Luke 10, he spoke to this lifelong principle of getting along with our neighbors. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And in Luke 10, there's this story, this interaction that Jesus has. There's a a Jewish man. He's an expert in the religious law is what it said. Uh, He comes up to Jesus and in response to Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself, he really sassy. In my mind, I picture him being like, well, who's my neighbor? Like kind of like a kid, you know, who is my neighbor? I don't want to have to do that. So tell me who my neighbor is. Um, And Jesus responds with the story of the good Samaritan you might have, this might sound familiar to you, uh, a pretty well-known story. So this, this story really big, it hinges on knowing what the Samaritans are. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were even called half-breeds because they had intermarried. And so they weren't like, their genealogy like wasn't purely Jewish. And so they were just kicked aside by Jews. They did not get along both sides. So anytime you read scripture and you see Jesus interacting with or talking about a Samaritan and he's speaking to a Jewish audience, you could probably like, they felt the tension, you know, they felt the tension in the room or outside, wherever they were. (laughs) Um, So there was generations long anger from, from just the relationship that had been built up between the Jews and the Samaritans. So this story that he tells in response to this man, this man had been robbed and beaten up and just thrown off to the side to die. And three different people walk by. Well, first a a priest walks by, a religious man, but he doesn't walk by the man. He sees him, but he crosses the road and he just keeps walking. A second man walks by. He's a Levite and that's another religious person in that time. And he sees the man, same thing, crosses the road and keeps walking. Third person is a Samaritan. Everyone's like, ooh, you know. Um, Samaritan comes, he, he looks and sees the man and has pity on him. And he takes him, he, he binds his wounds, he puts, his, puts him on his own animal that he's using for transportation, takes him to an inn, pays the innkeeper to not only take care of him, but to let him stay there. And he says, if there's anything else beyond what I've given you to the, you know, payment wise, tell me. And when I come back, I'll pay it just above and beyond. And then Jesus in, in Luke 10 36, 
It says, what do you think? Which one of these three became a neighbor to the man that was attacked by robbers? And they respond, well, the, the one who showed mercy on him. That even though, even though he was a Samaritan, that's who, that's who show, was a good neighbor, essentially. We may have an idea of what our own boundary lines should be, or maybe we just follow the culture around us and what they say it should be, but these will eventually lead to conflict or lead us away from the very heart of God. He's calling right now. <laughs> we, we need to be able to have the perspective of God when we view our neighbors. When we take on God's boundary lines, these are different. In God's economy, how we relate to him and others is, is high priority. He cares deeply about this. And when we set his boundaries, we have the freedom to feel safe, to protect, and to also carry one another's load out of our own free will. And that leads to peace. When we take on God's boundaries in our lives, take on his principles, his safety in that way, it leads to peace. And this should set us apart in our world today. We're supposed to be, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be salt and light. Salt is full of flavor. It adds flavor to whatever you put it in. Light overcomes darkness. It's not, it doesn't succumb to it. And is this the type of neighbor that we're being? That's what it makes me think about. Well, maybe we're in the midst of dealing with others that aren't literally our neighbors, but they are people who we're in regular relationship with. Maybe it's our spouses, our relatives, even our, our kids. There could be work relationships, teachers, administrators at our kids' schools, and it's already going poorly. Like maybe you're in the midst of that. My question would be, have your boundary lines been messed with? Have we had them shifted stealthily by someone? Or maybe we have done it ourselves and haven't even really noticed. There are so many complications today because our boundaries have been worn down, broken, or are simply non-existent. Maybe we're enabling other people's poor behavior. I said it. <laughs> maybe we're tired of trying to implement peace in someone else's life when it shouldn't be ours to carry kind of an interesting thing because when I hear that, I'm like, well, aren't we supposed to be self-sacrificing and really love people? Yes. Galatians 6, 2 through 5 states, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> Pay attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So is it selfish for us to care for our own things? No. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So how are we loving ourselves? Not that we are intended to stay there, like I'm only gonna just like care for myself. But the whole purpose is to complete the circle, love yourself, care for yourself, nurture, protect your space, the things that he's given you, steward those things well, steward your finances well, steward your families well with wisdom. Then love people that same way. 
that's why I think it's also important looking back at this proverb that, that Solomon speaks. My second point is that it helps us define what is and isn't our responsibility. Sometimes that can get really blurry and hard to understand. Knowing what is mine to own and what belongs to others is helpful because it defines responsibility. The proverb explains that we shouldn't move boundary lines because they were their place to determine ownership. An example of this um, in a really practical way, uh, I've watched my parents deal with one of my next door neighbors. This man with all due respect, was very grumpy, and he's grumpy to this day. He's just, that's his thing. He just lives in a grumpy, he, in a grumpy way. <laughs> um, he would complain about our fence that we shared. I mean, I'm a kid growing up. I knew he was like that just as a kid growing up. It wasn't like he only dealt with my parents. I just knew he was grumpy. We couldn't park our cars in front of his, his house. I had to, you know, in high school, I had to tell, don't park in front of his house. Park over here on this side. He'll get, you know, he'll talk to my dad. Well, we had this tree on our property that would drop leaves on the righteous and the unrighteous. No, I'm just kidding. It would, it would drop leaves on our yard and on his yard, okay? Um, but I watched my dad in particular be kind and take responsibility for what was ours. And, and I, I grew up understanding that our tree was on our yard and that even though he was grumpy, and we didn't, that's annoying, you know, like it's hard to deal with. We still had to be responsible for cleaning up those leaves. And so when my dad sent me out to clean up the front yard, I knew just generally as a part of the whole thing that I would also need to respectfully go rake up the leaves on the, our neighbor's yard and we're golden. We're good to go. So to this day, I have it ingrained in me to be aware of how I'm affecting other people. Um, I, I truly believe that it helped me understand that I needed to take responsibility for my own behaviors, my own actions, and my own feelings. And even though we had this difficult neighbor, I know it would have been, it could have been much worse if we didn't own what was ours. Does that make sense? So you guys remember the, I call it the blame game between Adam and Eve. This is another example of, of what I'm trying to, what I'm seeing from this proverb. Genesis 3, 1 through 13 talks about, you know, the fall of man is what it's called when sin came into the world. And, you know, Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit that was forbidden. And then they went and hid and God walked in the garden. He was looking for them. And he, he asks Adam, what happened basically? And he's like, the woman you put here, she gave me and totally blamed her. Well, then he goes, okay, well, Eve, what happened? The serpent came and deceived me. Well, this gets us nowhere. And we see that today, right? It's not, it's an age-old thing. We, we think that, well, my behavior is okay because they did it, you know? They made me do it. That's a boundary that's been broken down, okay? We have to own what was ours. What did you guys actually do, Adam and Eve? You sinned. <laughs> we have to deal with those consequences, there's a popular line of books out called Boundaries, which has separate ones for marriage, kids, dating. It's awesome. I've been reading through the one that's Boundaries in Marriage. And let me tell you, it is so like revealing <laughs> for me. Uh, I'm brushing up and learning again what it means to be responsible for my own actions, my feelings, behaviors, all that. It starts with me. And it's been so good. Like our hearts and relationships, when we respect godly boundaries outlined in scripture, we see the fruit of it in our lives. 
Much like property, we know which behaviors, attitudes, and feelings others must own and how we own ours. It also highlights what we don't own, like other people's responses and behaviors. And it frees us up, man, because it can be hard when someone's frustrated about something and they respond poorly. You know, I, sometimes we want to take that on, but we need to just allow them to have their responses and obviously deal, walk through the conflict, but sometimes we take on a little extra. And that's so unhealthy. God has not intended us to be able to do that. So as vulnerable as this is to admit and kind of like start to reflect on, it's actually the very place that God wants us to be because I, my, my third point is I think this proverb truly, it reveals our motives it, to check our heart. Are we moving, are we stealthily moving boundaries? Are we shifting things around that God has actually asked you to be very clear in? The whole point of God and us is that he desires to have a relationship with us. Oftentimes our hearts get in the way of this. God gives so many illustrations throughout scripture of how he wants us to tend to our hearts. Even in Proverbs, we've seen it. It's a theme throughout. You'll find it scattered throughout. One of them says, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Ancient cities would have a territory that was given to them, but around the innermost part, there would be a wall. So Jerusalem, for example, you know, there's a larger territory that was given to them, but there was a wall built around it to protect it. And only, the only access into those cities were the gates. And with the example of, of Israel and Jerusalem, the gates were labeled according to where they went. Those access points were, were labeled. And I, I love this. So like there'd be a sheep gate. There's a sheep gate. <laughs> it was very literal. Um, there's the east gate, the west gate, things like that. And I love this little picture of how our hearts could even be defined today. Our innermost boundary is to be protected and the access, the coming and going should be named according to its purpose. We should be aware of its purpose and why, how, how things are coming in and how they're going out. Just aware of that. Strong connections between taking care of the land in the ancient world and our souls today um, are regularly throughout scripture because Jesus always wanted to use very practical ways to help them think through spiritual concepts. And their day-to-day back then was very tangible. I'm farming today, you know, like I'm sowing seed or I'm taking care of our, our garden or I'm farming, taking care of our animals, things like that. You see a lot of those examples, seasons, rotations, all were examples of how God encouraged them to tend to their souls. So this naturally would have been applied to their boundaries of land or as God also sees it, boundaries of our lives, our souls, our hearts. God always cares about the conditions of our heart. So much so that he made a way for us to have them fixed through Jesus from our broken state. Because of sin, there will always be brokenness, unfortunately. But what I love is how much more God is present in our lives to fix and restore and bind up this brokenness through his son, Jesus. He hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us in our broken state. So the main point for us today is that God has given us these principles 
set as boundary lines. And they enrich, they guide, they protect, and they give rest to those who acknowledge and adhere to them. It reminds me of this, I've, I've, you might have heard of this too, but it's an, it was a study done on kids that um, could play in a playground and there was uh, a fence put up and they ran everywhere. They would go even to the very edge, all the way up to the, to the fence line. Um, and, and then there was another study done where it was like a playground, but there was no fence. And they all huddled up together and they were like, it was, they were like a little scared. They felt freer to have that safety of having the, the fences up. They could run around and be free and just do what they needed to do. And I love that picture. There's beauty in recognizing that there's boundaries that, that God has put in place in our lives. It's not to be stringent. It's not to be this dictator of our lives. God's principles are there because he's a loving God. He cares for us. The psalmists say in Psalm 147, 14, he grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. Psalm 16, five through nine says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Oh, man, I, every time I read that, I just think, don't we want a peace like that in our lives? I do. I, in a world that's hurting for peace, God is freely available to us, waiting and eager for us to reach out to him, to Him, invite him into our, our, our issues that we're dealing with. Uh, and he is just so ready and willing to help out. In fact, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and he's already done that work. It's only our part to respond and recognize the work that he's done on our behalf. Would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes? And the only reason why we bow our heads and close our eyes is to limit distraction. I know it helps me. There's no spiritual ritual that says we have to do this to talk to God. We can, we can talk with him any moment of any day. If there's someone here today that's recognizing just the brokenness and hurt, maybe feeling lost, you aren't alone. I want, to in, I want to give an opportunity for you to respond to the one who sees you. He, he loves you and desires to be in relationship with you. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. And because he rose from the dead, we have victory in life now on into eternity. And so if this is you, would you be so bold as to raise your hand? We won't embarrass you or draw attention to you. We just want to follow scripture that says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is as simple as saying a prayer out loud to God, fixing that broken state, trusting that he is there waiting to be in relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. With heads still bowed, I just want to just pray for us in response to the scripture that was just shared with us. My prayer is that we'd value relationships and view them as God sees them, that we'd own what's ours and that we'd allow God to tend to our hearts 
allowing growth to happen. And so tonight as we close, I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for each of you. God, I just lift up those who maybe their boundaries have been moved, broken, or are non-existent. God, would you restore and strengthen and lay out those boundary lines, God, according to your will and your purpose. Help them to stay strong and keeping them healthy and to be able to be confident knowing that those things are there for their good. Lord, for those who are in the midst of a battle in their relationships, that they would be given divine direction and guidance by the Holy Spirit to be good neighbors, that they would get along with people and that their neighbors would even notice something different about them, that they would be more like salt, more like light. For those who haven't been the best neighbors maybe themselves, whose hearts need tending to, whose hearts need fixed, God, I ask that you would fix what only you can fix. We can try all we want. Our culture tells us to do this or do that. I even just sense, man, there's just so much anxiety from even Googling stuff, (laughs) how to get along with people. But Lord, you are our source. You are what we need. You give us divine wisdom that we can apply to today. And Lord, I believe you're meeting us where we're at right now. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things we talked about that we reflected on today in scripture may seem old, but they're principles that are are godly and they apply today. You love us and desire to have your people dwell in peace and kindness toward one another in unity. And I believe tonight that you are doing that right now. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I praise you. And I give you praise in my own life for proving yourself so faithful and so good in the times where I've wrestled with these same things, God. And I ask that you would show yourself faithful yet again to this congregation, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. We love to worship you in this place. And in Jesus' name we pray. Together we say, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.